Good morning, everyone. So we are reading all of Exodus chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw that all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, "'What is this you are doing for the people?' Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people Men who fear God, trustworthy men who have who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will come home satisfied, will go home satisfied. 
Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. So God's people are the signposts of God's redemption. God's people are the signposts of God's redemption. That's the big takeaway from today. If you remember nothing else, God's people are the signposts of God's redemption. And Exodus 18 gives us two ways that they're signposts. Firstly, in the first half, uh, 12 verses, we see through their priestly role as a nation, embodied in Moses, as he talks to Jethro, his father-in-law, about what Yahweh God has done. And secondly, in the way they organize themselves as a nation, which is why we have this section on delegation and leadership in the second half of the chapter. Now, I've called the two parts of today's talk, get talking and get organized. Get talking and get organized to fit it in neatly. We're going to explore both of those, what they mean, and then ask the question, how can we too be signposts of God's redemption today and how we can keep the cross of Jesus central in all that we do as well? So let's begin Get Talking, Exodus 18, verse 1 to 12. So I want you to imagine, if you will, the ultimate family gathering, one you actually want to be at first. The food, the meal, being able to see one another, potentially hug one another as well after covid I'm sure everyone in Victoria is looking forward to the day when they can go to someone else's house and their family and hang out with them for the afternoon. Our community group had a great dinner a few months back when the restrictions started to ease and went out to a pub for the evening. It was wonderful to see people in person and talk to them and laugh and bump elbows. There was joy this week when the New South Wales borders were opened. I wonder how, thank you, Julie. I wonder how many of you celebrated and and were very happy. A friend of mine, yes, a friend of mine, Dylan, um, works in the Air Force and he sent a message to us all saying, I can come back for the wedding now next week. And the, the Facebook chat went alight with memes and gifts and hearts and thumbs up and everything, celebrating the fact he can now come and gather with us for this wedding next weekend. Imagine the dinner table after such a long time of being absent. The stories that are told of how life has changed, of epic events, of retelling the narrative of your life. What's led up to this moment? What's going on? How things have changed? How things are different? Well, that's actually what's going on in the first 12 verses of Exodus 18. Have a look. It says, Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of everything God had done for Moses and his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, and Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came in into the wilderness where they were camped near the mountain of God. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they'd met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. All that's happened so far in the Exodus account is a classic case of something going viral, as viral as it can in Moses' day. 
And as a people of God etched closer to Midian and the mountain where they're going to meet God, where the burning bush was, Jethro hears news that they've arrived. And he decides it's safe and right now to reunite Moses and his family. And as they meet, food will be enjoyed, celebration, joy. And for a brief moment in the Exodus account, the writer's slowing down, pausing, if you will, from all the chaos and the, the drama that's been going on, just to give us time to breathe and think, to tie off some loose ends, and to rejoice in what has happened. And then we see the story slowing down even more as Moses joyfully and enthusiastically tells his father-in-law all that has happened, starting with the plagues and how the Lord had brought them safely to this point. What an epic story to tell. Told is the same word back in 9.16 where we have the word proclaimed, where God says, you will proclaim, this event will be proclaimed in all the earth. The question is, who's going to proclaim the Exodus event? People are going to hear about it. But what we see here is that it's actually being told, it's actually being proclaimed by the lips of God's people themselves. That's what Moses is doing, proclaiming God's salvation of his people to Jethro, a Midian priest. A Midian priest, someone who doesn't worship God or Yahweh God. Now, without inferring too much more than what we see in these few verses, I think there's two really important things we should be mindful of. Firstly, Moses is telling what the Lord has done. To say it another way, Moses is giving him a news report of what has happened. Jethro has heard from other sources what God has done, but now he hears it from the lips of one who has experienced God's power, salvation, redemption himself, right? Secondly, Moses gives the news report about everything the Lord has done. From Pharaoh from the hardships in the desert, how the Lord has saved them. He doesn't miss anything out. Hardships imply the grumbling. End of chapter 17 where the Amalekites got into a fight with them. And most certainly the fickle hearts of the people. Because all of it is not about the people. It's about what the Lord has done for them, you see. It's not about how amazing they are. Moses is not saying, Jethro, we are so good. We are amazing. Look what we have done. He doesn't say that. And that's why we, I showed you the John Dixon clip at the start. Probably wondering where that's going for today. But I think that's a good example of a modern day story of how John proclaimed all that God has done, but not leaving just the nice shiny bits. He went through the nitty gritty tough bits too that weren't so good, right? Talked about wars and, and religion starting wars and proclaiming the good and the bad, but ultimately making it all about the Lord, not himself, not about how amazing Christians are. You see, the mission of God's people is to be agents of the redemptive love of God. We live to bring others to worship and give glory to the living God as well. For that is where you will find your greatest joy and eternal security and fulfillment in this life, which means evangelism. He says, what's happening here? Evangelism is going on in Exodus 18. This is the best thing you could ever do for someone, to tell them about Yahweh God. And that's what Moses does. And he just tells the epic story of God to Jethro. 
Jethro, Yahweh is better than any Egyptian god. Did you know that? Here's what has happened. Let me show you. Look what Yahweh has done. But then what sort of response does Jethro have? Look at verse 9 to 12 to see his delight. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God and Aaron and came with all the elders of Israel and ate a meal in the presence of God. Just like God's people when they crossed the Red Sea, his first response was to praise Yahweh God. And just like in the song we heard in chapter 15, he acknowledges the Lord is greater than all the other gods in verse 11. And he personalizes it. Now I know, he says. That's amazing. Did you see? Egypt didn't get it. The Amalekites did not get it. God's people have been slow to get it. But look here, Midian, the first nation to get it. Jethro, a foreigner, a priest. Someone who you think is so in the system, they're not going to change their mind or the system. But he, he gets it. He has the right response to God for the first time in the Exodus event. What a wonderful story of evangelism. Is that not the response that we would love to see our friends and family have as well? For them to say, like Jethro and countless others in history, now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods. And they can. Because the signpost of redemption today is you and me. As we point others to the cross of Jesus himself. As we tell of all God has done in the life, death and resurrection of him for them. How the Lord has saved us. And what life looks like on the other side of the Red Sea. And that's really important. What life looks like on the other side of the Red Sea. Of what life in the kingdom with the king is actually like. We proclaim redemption in Jesus to a world that looks so shiny on the outside. That has everything so neat and tidy all over the place. Yet inside is lost and is broken. And the good news is that in Jesus we live our lives with God which is the best kind of life that's humanly possible. We have a message to the world that says, turn around and step into life with God, the kind of life that you're invited into to live with him. But Jethro isn't out of the picture yet. The story goes on. Not only does he respond to God with praise and confession and sacrifices, he now offers Moses some advice, good advice about how to lead people, in fact. You see, if God's people are to be like Moses here, to tell of God's power and salvation to the nations, that's going to take some organization, some structure, some planning, because part of their purpose as God's people is to live as God's people. And the very next day, Jethro walks out his tent, and I imagine him stretching, thinking, wow, you know, this God's amazing, and he walks around the camp, and he's shocked at what he sees. Absolutely shocked. He cannot believe it. It's a logistical nightmare going on in front of his eyes. Some of you cringe when you read this account as well. It's like going to a really bad party all day 
and you sit in the corner and every single thing is just not the way it should be in the organisation. And you sit there cringing, thinking, I know it can be done better. I'm not being prideful. There is just, this is chaos. And so in short, Jethro sees that and tells Moses, get organised, dude. Seriously. Second part, verse 13 to 27. This is a great example of how God looks after his people. Not just with food and water, as we've seen. Not just in protecting them from their enemies, as we've seen. Not just in exposing their hearts, as we've seen. Not just by bringing the other nations to them, like we've just seen with Jethro. Or even giving them a new culture and a new life under him. God is interested in how they order their lives as well. Around him, in their community. What we see here by God's grace is organizational common sense. And it comes from a most unlikely source, Jethro. But this is a really strange few verses. At first, it seems very left of field. Maybe you've read a leadership book about this. Exodus 18 is very common. And there's a leadership principle to follow, a good method for ministry. Lots of people write about this. You may have heard or read about it. But today, I want to challenge that assumption. Because in that sort of thinking, in the Leadership 101 books that use the Bible as a great tool, what's missing in that is any surrounding context for the why. Not that the principle's wrong. I hope we'll see that in a moment. It's a good thing. It's just, why include these few small verses in this part of the Bible at this moment for what purpose? I mean, really, you could, you could delete this and continue on to Exodus 19 and not really be too bothered. We're not going to do that because all of God's word is useful for every part of our life. So the question is, why have it? Is it just so we can cherry pick and proof text some leadership ideas from the Bible? Let's just track the thought flow and I think you'll see why and how good this actually is. So it begins with evangelism. We see Moses in a priestly role to the nations in a microcosm of Jethro, right? If we look forward to Exodus 19, right at the start, Israel assumes this same role to the nations. God says, out of all the nations, you will be my treasure possession. The whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, to the whole nation he's talking. It begins with Moses, it spills over into their community, and they respond in Exodus 19 verse 8 by saying, we will do all the Lord has said, we like that, we'll do it. It was something they wanted to be, to be a priestly nation, to belong to God, to mediate God to the other nations. That's what a priest does, stand before God and people. And in the middle of this is Jethro giving Moses some good advice about logistics. And if you see closely, you see Moses overwhelmed in his role as a priest, in his role as a judge, standing before God and the people. Mediating God's word is a little bit trickier than he thought to a couple million people. You see, while Moses might be really good at making sense of how to understand God's law and how it should be reflected in the lives of his people, he's not very good at admin. He's not very good at organization. He's not very good at delegation. Not that he's not capable. In the battle against the Amalekites, he needed help from Aaron to lift his hands up. He can do it. Yet for the battle in order to, for the battle to order the welfare of God's people, he struggles. And if you've ever tried to organize people, maybe it's your job, you can feel the frustration of Moses in verse 15 as as Jethro says, what are you doing? And Moses says, because though people come to me to seek God's will, I have to do it, he says. So that's the setup. 
Exodus 18 is actually here to help God's people be priests. That's why it's in the Bible. And in verse 13, the scene's set. Moses sits, the people stand from morning till evening. And this is one of those lines you've seen in services essay during COVID that just goes on forever. And the frustration. And Jethro sees it. And he says, Moses, you need some help shepherding God's people. Verse 17 to 18, what you're doing is not good. You are going to wear everyone out, in fact. It's too heavy, you can't do it alone. It's not that he tells Moses to stop doing his job. In verse 19 and 20, he's very explicit. You have to do it. You teach, you show what living under God's like. But what's not good is the structure, not the purpose. And it's not good because it's going to mentally wear everyone out. You and them. Imagine the frustration that's going to overwhelm them. Day four, day 50 of this. So Jethro proposes a solution. Moses takes the advice. And as a result, more people are helped. And Moses doesn't collapse under the mountain of tasks. You see, Moses wants to help God's people know the word of God and live it out. That means he has to be organized. It means they need a robust theology of God and a good understanding of how people tick and talk even down to the people Moses should select. Don't just pick anyone. There's qualifications. Verse 21, make sure they're capable. What does that mean? Two things, fear God and don't be open to bribes. That way justice won't be perverted. There's no micromanagement either. If they struggle, you go up the food chain. Delegate back up to Moses if it's too tricky for you. And as a result, verse 23 says, it worked out better for Moses, better for the people. So, the principle is true. Delegate, organize, use teams. We found an example of that in the Bible. To say it another way, there's nothing extra special about delegation since it's in the Bible. Rather, good leadership is just part of God's common grace to all people. After all, leadership and organization are woven in the fabric of creation. God brought order out of chaos over the waters. Each day was ordered and structured that God made. Adam figured out how to plant crops and harvest them. Humans have figured out how our bodies work, how to build things, write music, play instruments, code an app, engineer a road or a bridge safely. We're pretty clever people when you think about it. Humanity does this. We enjoy this because we're made in the image of God. We're made to discover things in God's world through observation, experiment, and accident like radiation or scotch guard. In the teaching of this, is called common grace. God gives all humans talents and gifts and brains, and when we use them, we come up with things like science and art and music. Which means some of you are going to be really well organized. You're going to be a systems person, a process person. You're going to have little colorful sticky notes sitting and everything. Everything's going to be color-coded and organized. And others of you are not. And you're going to look at each other, and it's going to drive you batty. Because some of you think, it's so obvious, why don't you do it? And others of you just go, well, well, it works for me. I worked for a guy in IT, and he was so organized at having piles of things. And for the first couple of years, it was driving me nuts because I didn't know where anything was. And eventually, his system of not being organized rubbed off on me. And when I cleaned up, I'd move a pile of things, and then we wouldn't know where anything was because that was the pile of this thing, and that was the pile of that thing. And the thing behind the cupboard was here, when you clean it up and put it in a logical place, you couldn't find it anymore because it's just so ingrained. Some of you are like that. Others of you, not so much. Some of you know how people tick and talk. Some of you work in jobs where leadership and human resources is your thing. You've observed people. This is Jethro. 
What's more, so that Moses can teach and judge God's people well, Jethro gets him organized with a good system. And Moses says, yeah, it's pretty good. So organization is good and necessary to help people live God's law as those who have experienced the redeeming power of God. To say another way, evangelism and organization are important parts of God's community. It's a heavy burden to lead God's people. It's not something to do alone. God is not interested in his people being superheroes, pushing through, going at it all alone, thinking, I have to do it because I'm the only one. In our culture, we celebrate the strong individual who does this. You know, the mum who both works and, and stays at home and climbs the corporate ladder, perfectly balancing everything, and has the great Instagram account and a, and a um, Pinterest-style home at the same time. Or for the guy who can work 100, 110% all the time, 70 hours a week, never getting burnt out, never getting tired, be the best friend of the employees and the best friend of the bros, all the time, perfectly managing that, never having a problem at home either. Everything's fine. Or if you're that strong, single person, you know, everything's fine because I'm single. There's no, no trouble. We celebrate that in our society, but it's, it's a little bit different for God's people. It's not the way of God's community. All that we do is in response to what God has done so that others can be like Jethro, becoming a worshipper of Yahweh. We get organized in our church, in our lives, for that reason. We share the load for that reason. Which means, I'll finish here today, we will be a church of individuals corporately together who will keep the cross center in all we do, in our mission and in our organization. Because we want to see people like Jethro. And may this week be the week that you too keep the cross central. Realize your mission to the nations as well, to get talking and get organized for the sake of those in your workplace, in Adelaide, in Golden Grove, that each of us have a part to play in bringing people to God through Jesus and bringing God's word to bear fruit in each other's lives too, as Moses was trying to do. And at church, that means we'll have structure, we'll have organization and wisdom to help do it. We're going to share the load. We talked about our five M's. We're talking about our five M's. We want to help people go home satisfied in God, as verse 23 says, just like the people did when the structures worked well. We want to see people like Jethro. Now I know there is no other God than the Lord, and to join praising him too. Practically, that means I might give a Bible talk, but I can't do it alone. At Christmas time, I might get up here at the front, Tyson might play an instrument, Damien might play a guitar. Someone might help put some signs up. Do it as a team. We do it together. But then you and me, we get to invite others to hear and taste and see the goodness of God. We get to be priests. You get to be a priest in the suburbs of Golden Grove this week and every day, helping bring people to God. And each of us can do it. Tell your father-in-law. Tell your mother-in-law. Tell your brothers and sisters, your work friends, everything God has done. So that, so that in the end of verse 18, it says Jethro, oh no, last verse, sorry, in chapter 18, Jethro returned to his own country. So that we can do the same thing. We, we talk about God, we, we hear and respond to the gospel, and we go to our own home, our own places, with the message of Jesus on our lips. After all, how beautiful, how wonderful are the feet of those who bring good news to others.
that there is a better promise, a better way of life with the living God who redeems the people for himself. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach, he says, unless they're sent? And the answer is that in God's kindness, you and me, we are the sent ones. We are the signposts. And the story of Jesus, like the Exodus, is not only true and reasonable, but wonderful because it captures our hearts and minds, our imagination and our affections. If we'd only appeal to that with one another, just like Moses did with Jethro. And so this week, would you join me at being the signpost of God's redemption in Jesus Christ? I do hope you will. Let's pray. Our great God, we thank you that in your wisdom and kindness you have saved a people for yourself to be priests, to be signposts to others of the redemption and the grace and the love of God. Father, as we go into our week, may we too be that for one another. May we tell of all you have done. May we not hide the nitty-gritty details, the good and the bad, but, Father, point people to the wonderful saving kindness of God. Father, help us to be signposts, help us to be organized in our church, in our homes, so that your message can go out unhindered. And each of us have a part to play. Remind us and excite us for what you are doing in this world as we join you on your mission, the mission of God. In your name we pray these things. Amen.